Uh, John chapter 4 is where we're at. We're going to continue on this series through uh, Encounters with Jesus. And uh, we're actually going to finish the story we started last week. So if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be looking at John chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 39. And we go through uh, verse uh, 43, I believe. 42. 42. So John chapter 4. I'm going to read this for you. John chapter 4, starting at verse 39. It says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for just a time to be out in the park and to listen, to worship you through songs, through your word. And Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, uh, that you would empower us with your truth, that we might live in a way that is honoring and pleasing and brings glory to your name. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a story uh, in conclusion of the woman at the well that has always amazed me, probably more so than the story of the woman at the well. Uh, it's a completely wrong story. It shouldn't even be there by all accounts. When you actually sit and contemplate the story, it just, in today's world, it doesn't belong. There's nothing about it that fits. And so we want to look at that this morning, and it, and it reminds me of countless missionaries and pastors who went into a calling, and they went into the mission field, and by all accounts, people told them, you have no business going. I think of, if you've never read the book, I'd highly recommend it, a book uh, by the title of Bruchko. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but he was a young man, uh, about 18 years of age, uh, felt called to go uh, to South America, and no mission organization would represent him. They all said, you got to go to college, you got to get all this preparatory work, and you cannot go until you have gone through all this training. And he felt like the Lord had called him. And so he said, I'm not going to do that, I'll go on my own. And he went, and hundreds of natives came to know the Lord through his ministry. Uh, an incredible book. I think of D.L. Moody, who used to be corrected all the time and was told, your grammar is terrible. You should never be a public speaker. And one of my favorite quotes that I use from D.L. Moody, my wife is snickering because she knows what I'm going to say. Um, I know what I'm doing with my bad grammar for the Lord. What are you doing with yours? And there's reality there. And it gets me thinking about this passage. And then let's walk through this text first, the story. You know, we just uh, spent last week talking about the woman at the well and, and her encounter with Jesus, and this is an extension of that encounter and how her life was changed and how others were impacted. So uh, if you jump into the passage, you can actually go back to when the disciples reappear uh, sometime around verse 27 of, of John chapter 4, and it says that the disciples came back. And the woman sees them, and she's already probably feeling a little uncomfortable because they're probably giving her the stink eye, like, what are you doing talking to our rabbi? And so she immediately leaves 
She leaves behind her water jar and she goes back to the town. And she goes back to the town folk and she shares with them uh, what has happened. And that's what leads us to our text in, in John chapter 4 here in verse 39. A couple of things I want to point out to you and then I want to give you three takeaways this morning. Uh, it says that many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of her testimony. What an incredible story. As she comes back, she tells the people of the town, and it says many believe because of her testimony. There is something here that I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, but there is an application here that should be encouraging. It should be challenging right there. And you could do a whole sermon on this because it said many believe because of the woman's testimony that eliminates for us a lot of responsibility of proclaiming the gospel. It eliminates, number one, there's four things I would say that it eliminates. It eliminates a man-made qualification that you need some sort of training to proclaim the gospel. It eliminates a self-disqualification because this woman had nothing in her own right and ability where she would have said, I am qualified to present the gospel. She had nothing, and it says that they believe because of her testimony. It ex eliminates the excuse of inadequacy. How many times I have heard where somebody says, well, I'm just not gifted. I don't know how to present the gospel. Guess what? That's not valid. It's an excuse. And the last thing that it eliminates is, notice this, and you're going to question this at first, but it eliminates a need for a close prior relationship. You don't have to have a close prior relationship with somebody to present the gospel. Sometimes we sit and we wait years to develop a relationship before we can present the gospel to someone. And you say, but she knew the people. Brothers and sisters, if you remember last week, she was an outcast. They did not have a relationship with her. And she comes back to the town and she proclaims the gospel and it says many people believed. That is an incredible thing that we could go into and spend hours just walking through, but I want to get to some other stuff. So, so as we go through, many people believe because of her testimony. Then the next thing I want us to notice is it says because of her testimony, and the testimony was he told me all that I ever did. I don't exactly remember Jesus in the discussion telling her everything she ever did. So why is this so important? Why is her testimony so important to us? I think there's a couple of things. Number one, she was excited to tell it. It said that she left right away and she left her possessions to go because she wanted to tell people. She gets back to town and, and the first thing she does is she goes and finds people to tell them what had happened. And the other reason I think this testimony is so important is someone actually knew her. Jesus knew her and gave her worth. What an incredible thing. So it says that the many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. And then it says, uh, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman is no longer because of what you have said. But we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. 
couple of other things I want to just point out from this, and then I want to get to the meat and the application. It says that Jesus stayed with them two days. You realize how significant that is? Why is Jesus here? Do you remember? He was on his way to Galilee, and we talked about how he went out of his way about 20 miles to get there. So he's on his journey, and is this not the same guy that, that you know, we flip back a few uh, uh, chapters ago to when Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and says, hey, can you uh, take care of this problem with the, the, we ran out of wine? And Jesus says to her, my hour has not yet come. Jesus is always, even from the time when he was a teenager, he said, didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house because I'm about my father's business? And we talk about throughout John, how Jesus has the hour, the hour, the hour is coming, the hour is coming. Jesus had a mission, right? Jesus had a purpose, and he was, he was on that mission. And he was goal-oriented for that mission. His whole life purpose was for that hour where he would die on the cross. And I find it amazing that here in John chapter 4, they ask him to stay two days. They ask him to stay. We don't know how long. My thought is maybe they asked him to stay a day, and he says, I'll stay two days. I don't know if that's true or not, but the point is still the same. Jesus had a mission, and part of his mission was the Samaritans. Jesus never did anything that wasn't, in, the, in his life, he never did anything that was a waste of time. He never did anything that would be a sidetrack from what he was called to do. And that gives me hope and encouragement that when sometimes we look at our life and if we have been called by God, you should know and understand that God never wastes his time, but you were a part of his purpose and plan. And then it says, of course, many more believe because of his word. And there is an importance there that this is all we need is the word of Jesus. And the last thing I, I want to point out with this text is it says that they now know. That the reason they believe is they have heard him and they know. And that Greek word know there is gnosko, which is a Greek word that means to know from personal experience. Okay. So what are the three takeaways I want you to have this morning? As I look at this story, what is the... This is really hard for me. I'm wanting to wander and I can't. Okay? I'm feeling like there's ants in my pants. That'll be great to be recorded. What do I take from this passage? It's a short passage, but I think it's very powerful. I mentioned earlier that it's the wrong kind of story. It's the wrong kind of story because, number one, we have an unlikely missionary, don't we? We have an unlikely missionary. It says, many believe because of her testimony. The woman was by all appearances the wrong kind of missionary. Notice her shortcomings. She was a woman in a time where men ruled the day. She was a Samaritan in a time of Israel where the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along for 500 years. And she was an outcast, so she had zero influence she would go in the hottest time of the day to gather water out of the well. It says that when Jesus came, it was about the sixth hour, which is noon. Nobody should go to the well at noon carrying a heavy water jar. Why did she go? Because she didn't want to be around people. Because all they did was look at her with scorn. 
So her shortcomings are that she had zero influence. She was an outcast. Look at her supply. She had no, to our knowledge, she had no education. And, and in regards to sharing about Jesus, she had spent, what, maybe an hour with him? I mean, how many of us feel like there's a need that we have to spend hours and hours upon hours of years in schools and seminaries before we can preach the gospel so that we have the education to be able to proclaim the truth of who Jesus is. We have to have the right theology down. We have to have the right understanding of who Jesus is. She had spent maybe an hour with him, and many people believed. She could not have had a correct doctrinal understanding of who Jesus was, and yet she was willing, and she went. Her source what was her source? What was it that caused her to be passionate? She had spent time with Jesus. She was an unlikely missionary, but she had spent some time with Jesus, and that was all she needed. And if you need any further, I, I want to clarify something, because sometimes people get me wrong here. I am never going to say you should not go to college. But I will say this. You don't need college to proclaim Jesus Christ. You don't need a seminary education. You don't need a missions degree to proclaim the truth of Jesus. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, one of my favorite verses, a life verse that has forever impacted me. You have the Pharisees and the Sadducees have called Peter and John in after doing a, an incredible miracle. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, they question these two men. And they begin to ridicule them. And they begin to proclaim the truth of who Jesus is. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, the leaders of the day, the teachers of the religion of Jerusalem, the highest of the highest, look at them. And it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, that they were amazed at these men. Why were they amazed? It says because they were unlearned, and the Greek word unlearned there literally means they were idiots. That's what they called them. They were idiots, unlearned, unschooled. But it goes on, it says, but they were amazed at their understanding, and they took note that they had been with Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you want to know what the greatest qualification you need to be a missionary, to be a proclaimer of truth? Spend time with Jesus. That's all that this unlikely missionary had done. If you have a personal experience with Jesus Christ, you are qualified. You are qualified. There's nothing wrong with furthering education and getting a better understanding intellectually, but all you need is a personal relationship with Jesus. So you have an unlikely missionary. You have an unusual ministry, too. I mean, by all accounts, this is not what was supposed to be happening in Jesus' ministry, right? Jesus was coming, and the disciples must have been baffled as they are sitting there. And, and we're not going to finish the rest of the story today. But it says that the disciples begin having this conversation with Jesus. And Jesus says this incredible thing. He says, look, open your eyes. The fields are ripe for harvest. There's a town of people coming to us. But this isn't how it was supposed to happen because they were the wrong kind of people. So how did it happen? Three things. Number one, Jesus was willing to stop traditionalism. He reached across racial, societal, and cultural barriers because of love. Jesus is willing to stop traditionalism, spend time with a woman, spend time with a Samaritan woman, and converse with her because why? He had a need to go to Samaria to find this woman at the well to proclaim the truth, and not only did she come to know Jesus as a result, but many 
from the town that she was from. Not only was he willing to stop traditionalism, it shows us that Jesus was willing to spend time. He was willing to spend time. He was a busy man with his father's business at hand, yet he made time for those who needed to know him. He spent two days. We live in a society in a time where we're slaves to the clock. And we have to be here, and we have to do this, and we have to do that. And, and sometimes we have, to, we have to be considerate of time, and we have to do all these things. And I just imagine Jesus, as his disciples are probably thinking, well, we need to get back to Galilee. That's where we were going. And we're spending two days after we've already gone out of our way. We have a ministry that we're supposed to be called to. Jesus, you have a people, because keep in mind, the disciples are probably thinking what many of the Jews are thinking, that Jesus was coming to take over politically. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I have time to spend for the people that need me. There's an unusual ministry in that Jesus was willing to stop traditionalism. He was willing to spend time, and he was willing to speak truth. Notice what it says. Many more believed because of what? His word. His word. Not magic tricks. I'm pretty good at magic tricks, not really. But if you've ever seen any of them, I can fool a two-year-old very well. It's not a bait and switch. It's not a come and your life will be better. No, Jesus speaks the truth. And brothers and sisters, that's, you know, we sit here and we say, well, how do we have ministry? Uh, I can think of many unusual ministry opportunities that surrounds Highland Gospel Community. And we sit here and we, we strategize. And we think through, how do we do this? What do we need to do? How do we plan the perfect method and the perfect programs? Here's what you do. You stop traditionalism. You say, well, they look different than me, but that's okay. You are willing to spend time with people, even if it costs you time. And you are willing to speak the truth. And you'll find an incredible ministry. Prosperous ministry for God requires willingness from his people. And the last thing I want us to notice in this passage is an unshakable message. Notice what it says here. They said in verse 42, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The transformation of this town. They declared, we know. We know. When we come to know Christ, it's a transformational experience. It's an incredible experience. Consider what they left. They left behind a secondhand faith, Right? What did it say? It says it's no longer because of what you have said, but what we ourselves have heard, we know. It's so easy and tempting as people who go to church to always believe because somebody else's faith. My parents were believers, and so we always, I, I, I hear it all the time, you know, when did you become a Christian? Well, I've always been a Christian. I was a Christian from the time I was born because I went to a church where my parents always went and, 
and, and it's amazing. We have generations that get to college and have forsaken Christianity. You know why? Because it was never their own faith. It's what they had heard. It's what they had been told. They left behind a secondhand faith and embraced their own experience with Jesus Christ. What had they learned? They learned that Jesus Christ is real by personal experience. It is more than what you are taught. It is imperative for us as believers to go and to proclaim the truth, but it's imperative for individuals to come to Jesus in personal relationship. What did they live? They were transformed. Why? Because they know that he is the Savior indeed. Do you imagine what that town would have been like? Transformed radically? Can you imagine if persecution would have come? A town that personally experienced Jesus. Can you imagine a church that is filled with people who have a personal experience of a relationship with Jesus, not just because the pastor proclaims the word and they hear it with their ears, but when they live it because they lived it in such a way that they know that Jesus is the Savior indeed. That is an unshakable faith. I'm always amazed when I read things uh, of uh, those who are persecuted. I heard a lecture one time from a guy by the name of Joseph Sohn. And he was a Romanian pastor who underwent persecution. And he talks about the beauty of suffering. Those are words that don't click for me. The beauty of suffering. I am a wimp. I do not like suffering. These guys that are, I've been working, I haven't worked out with them for a reason. I don't like suffering. And yet we have this man named Joseph Sohn who said, you know what, there is beauty in suffering because I get to experience what Jesus experienced. You can only say that through a personal, deep, and abiding relationship with Jesus. So what do we get from this story? It's the wrong kind of story. It doesn't fit. Their, their ministry is not the megachurch ministry. Their missionary is not the most qualified missionary. But you have a power of a message that is unshakable, that a people transformed. And I want you to think through this, and as you think of this story, I want you to remember that God uses unlikely ministries. He uses unlikely missionaries, and he calls... And the reason we can have confidence in this is because we've been given an unshakable message. What an incredible thing. You know, we talk about an encounter with Jesus. Here's a woman who was just going about her daily business to gather water. She meets this man, and she probably thinks there's no way this man's even going to talk to me let alone what she finds out, that he's the Messiah. Imagine how her life is forever changed. But you know what? This isn't anything uncommon to every single relationship that is transformed by someone who encounters Jesus. 
And what I want you to walk away with today is that if you've encountered Jesus, your life should be radically different. And you are qualified. And you ought to be asking yourself, what ministries has God called me to? Because you could change whole groups of people in incredible ways. There was a town in Samaria in a time where the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other that was filled with new believers because of a willingness of a woman who had an encounter with Jesus. I wonder what impact we could have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't call the qualified to qualify those to whom you call. And Father, we thank you that all we need is you. We thank you that the good news is not something so hard to grasp, that you need to be elite, that you need to be intelligent. Father, we thank you that you come to us and you call us and you reveal yourself to us. And if we are willing to stop and listen, we can carry a message that will be unshaken no matter what we face. So, Father, we thank you for this illustration of this woman, the story of this woman who was willing, and how her life and her testimony impacted a city. And so, Father, I pray for us as a people that we would, first of all, ask ourselves, do I know you? Is my relationship with you something I know to be true? Or is it because I've just heard about you? And Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that, that does not know you, that today would be a day where they would cast aside any pride they would humble themselves and say, I need to know you because you are the Savior in me. And Father, I pray that we would take that relationship and the truth that we have gleaned because of knowing you personally and we might change our neighbors through the power of the Holy Spirit. That we would change a community, a city, a nation, that we would be joyous to reap in a harvest that you do all the work, that we might bring glory and honor to your name. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' precious and holy name.